Welcome to Foster Strong, a podcast where America's alumni of foster care share captivating and compelling stories of what it was like growing up in the foster care system. Each episode, we explore how our time in foster care shaped us into the resilient individuals we are today. It's Carrie. Welcome back to the Foster Strong Podcast. Hey guys, it's Candy Marie. I'm excited to be here. Hey everyone, it's Slam Anderson, and I'm also excited to be here. And we also have the pleasure of sitting down with Mairead Green. Um, before we get started with Mairead, a little bit about her. Um, her pronouns are she and her. She's from Costa Masaya, California. She loves being outdoors, either hiking or swimming in the ocean. And she has recently graduated from UCLA with a degree in political science and film. Um, she said that her dream in foster care was going to college and graduated. So congrats again, uh, Marae, for that. And you can actually hear more about Marae and her graduation story on one of our earlier uh, podcast episodes. Um, and a little highlight about Marae, um, she got a chance to work on the film Instant Family, uh, where she had the opportunity to combine her past experience in foster care with her current interest in film production. She said this process helped her realize her passion for removing the stereotypes associated with kids that grew up in the foster care system. She hopes to use this platform to remain to remind youth in foster care of their resilience and potential. In the future, Marae has decided to work for a nonprofit that supports current and former foster youth and as a director's assistant in film industry. So everyone, Marae Green. Hi. Hey, Marae. Thanks for that introduction, <laughs> Slam. And that nonprofit she was referring to is? <laughs> foster Strong. Foster strong. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to work anywhere else. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, well, what's going on, everyone? Good. It's good. I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? Happy to be here. Yeah. Good. Me too. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge that I think this is the first episode of the Foster Strong podcast where we only have the ladies on the episode. Ooh, I love it. Mm. Ooh, the Queens Girl. in the building. Who run the world, girls. <laughs> yeah, cue Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right, you hear me singing right, it? Right, right, I sung it low because my voice. I was going to say, I saw, I saw you over there hitting some moves slam. You know, I, I sung it low, my voice. <laughs> Yeah, we I got voice issues. Yeah, we really do have to start having a video component of the Foster Strong podcast so people can see when we're breaking it down during recording. No, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, Maraid, we are diving into your story today, and our listeners have previously heard a little bit about you when you were on an earlier episode talking about graduation and what a strange time it is to be graduating. But today we're really diving deeper into your story of moving from trauma to triumph. And it really is amazing where you're at right now because you just graduated and just landed your dream job. So give us the download on where your heart is and where your mind is right now. Uh, well, thanks, Carrie. Um, I don't know. I just think it's so crazy that I spent so many years obsessing and hiding the fact that I was in foster care and this all this shame that went along with it. And now I'm just telling my story to the world um, with this, yeah, the sense of pride. Um, I don't know, because um, I'm excited for everything that I'm doing in my life. And I feel like I'm finally like in charge of my life in the direction where it's going, where, um, yeah, as a kid, I feel like all of the uncertainty 
was very stressful for me. Um, but now I'm in charge and I'm responsible and I like that feeling. That's such a re relatable feeling. Like, you know, cause I feel like as children, we were so vulnerable, but as adults, we're able to reclaim our time and our life, especially as, as foster care alumni. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So every time that I've like told my story or opened up to people or just something accidentally got revealed about me, like I was so afraid of being pitied and I feel like that's the worst feeling in the world um is when just people are like oh I feel bad for you but I mean it happened as you're a kid so there's like nothing you can do about it now and I just I just never liked the feeling of being pitied but I didn't realize that I was pitying myself and um I don't know like I felt like I was ashamed about being in foster care and focused on the wrong things and and once I like kind of changed my mindset and did it myself, I don't know, I feel like everything changed. And I feel like that's why I love Foster Strong so much because we're different from all the other organizations where I feel like there's a lot of organizations out there that wanna help kids, but they do that by, you know, telling all these sad statistics to try to raise money and help them. But I don't know, I feel like that just perpetuates them pitying themselves. But I don't know. But just in my experience. No, I was just going to say that I 100 percent agree with the pity. That's one of the reasons I had never told people I was in foster care. I didn't. It was the shame and the pity. But the pity was the biggest part. It's like, you know, and I, I think because we're so used to being independent when we're in care that we don't want anybody thinking that we can't handle something or, or saying, oh, because that's not good for us. That makes you look soft. Exactly. And the last thing you want to be when <laughs> exactly. you're in care is, is looking soft, you know? So like that pity, like I a hundred percent agree that was, and it's, it's just weird because it's like, you feel the pity and I, I even the kids I work with today I tell them that it's like it's I, I see them and I try to see myself because I see them doing the same thing and you want to say it's not your fault but even outside looking in no one could tell me it wasn't my fault and I still pity myself no one could say hey it's not your fault don't pity yourself I wouldn't believe it so when I tell them it's like I know they probably don't believe it I didn't believe it either you know so I definitely 100% agree with well, that I don't know. I was just going to say that I feel like with with pity, like if someone's pitying me after I tell them my story of what I went through as a kid, I feel like they're just looking at me like I'm still that little kid and not the adult that went through all of that. I'm trying to say that I'm not I'm not that same kid anymore. I'm someone that went through a lot of the foster care system, everything that goes along with it and made it through. And so that just means I'm so much stronger. I don't need any pity in my opinion. I just, I love what Candy says when she says that we are not alumni of the system or, or just foster youth, but that we are foster warriors. And yeah, for me, like what too. I think is really important to acknowledge is that shift from being a victim of the system to a survivor of the system. And then there's a third shift that sometimes happens where you shift into being a fighter for change in the system. And it's where you're able to stand and say, I've been through it. It. Now I'm on the other side and now I have a duty to fight for the other kids who are still going through the system and let them know that they are not defined by this experience and that they will make it out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what's so great about our group. Um, you know, words matter, right? Um, 
But I think the one thing that we all have in common is that resilience, right? And one thing I want you to also know is that there is no one way to do anything. You can create your own way of doing it. You know, you can create what strength means for yourself. You know, so even now, just just hearing you just be as honest and real as you can be. That's great. That's what that's what these youth out there they need to they need to hear that. They need to hear that you're a real person that shit can be fucked up, you know, that like that sometimes that it's not we're not picture perfect and it's okay for your life to not be picture perfect. That's what foster, foster strong means, you know? And it's so unfortunate that the pity has been attached to the stigma of being somebody who grew up in foster care, but what we've created is a way to break that stigma. You know, and you're breaking that, Marae. You're doing that right now. Well, because I just feel like every, but every kid who spends a night away from their family and is taken away from their family and now has to adjust to this whole new thing. And you're a kid and you're going through it as a kid. You're going to grow up and be strong. You're going to be able to handle anything that comes at you. And I just want these kids to know that, that or yeah, if they're in the system right now and they feel like, I don't know, everything is going wrong. It, it may feel like that, but when you're when you grow up and you can actually be on your own and you're not dependent on the system, I don't know. I feel like you can do anything. You can be able to combat like anything life throws at you. If you can do it as a kid, you can definitely do it as an adult. Yeah. Weakness is weakness is strength. Yeah, no, I think you all are exactly right. And it's that feeling of being unseen and moving from home to home and not really having a space to voice what you want or talk about how you feel. But for our listeners out there who are experiencing just that, I want you to know that here at Foster Strong, we want you to know that we see you and we know what it feels like. And we want you to know how resilient you are and how much stronger this experience will make you no matter how hard it is right now. And, um, and Mariah, I wanted to ask you too, because like we are talking about the, the shame and being, being seen too. Um, is that one of the things that kind of push you into film? Like when did you start getting this passion from film? Cause I know for me, one of my, my passion for poetry came through wanting to speak out, but not knowing how to speak out. So I would write, um, that was my way of being seen. So I wanted to know, is, is that what film was to you or when did that passion from film come and if it happened during your time in foster care? Well, okay. So I got introduced to film. I had no idea I wanted to do film. I didn't have this like passion as a kid, but, um, Sean Anders, we all know him. Um, he's a big patron of Foster Strong, um, director, and he adopted his kids and wanted to make a movie about his experiences. Um, but he wanted it to be a really accurate story, um, about what it's like to grow up in foster care and to be in foster care as a teenager. And so I realized by meeting him and working on the script that um, there are a lot of misconceptions and so many people have it wrong and already have this um, picture painted in their head of what it's like to grow up in the system. And it's wrong, I think. At least, like you can't put a generalization or stereotypes on someone's life, like everybody is different. And so I just realized that film is a good tool for me to use to just, I don't break away stereotypes and show people that the real 
way of how things work. Because I feel like right now in like the age of social media and, you know, misinformation, like there's so many people that just have these ideas made up in their head uh, that aren't true. And a, a lot of that is with foster care, too. Um and I don't know. And I feel like I didn't know a lot of things um, when I was going through it. And so I want the kids to know that you're not just a stereotype. You can really do whatever you want, no matter who tells you you can't do it. Marie, can you walk us through what were some of those moments that stand out in your foster care journey that really made you the woman that you are today? Um... Okay, well, I I feel like I don't really need to get into too many details, but I do want to share my perspective and opinions on what it's like growing up in the system. Um, I first entered the system when I turned eight, um, or I first entered the system right after I turned eight. Um, And my mom was using drugs at the time, and she had a boyfriend that would sexually abuse me. Um, He was this big, scary man. Um, I don't I don't know. Um, But I remember I was playing outside um, in front of that apartment and my sister um, happened to drive by and she was my she's my hero as a kid. Um, She was always rescuing me and looking out for me and standing up to my mom whenever I was put in an unsafe situation. Um, But I just hopped in her car immediately and then I was staying with various relatives. Um, and I know that my mom's boyfriend was looking for me at the time. So it was, I just remember it being like a very fearful time period. Um, and I feel like sometimes I get, I still get anxiety like that sometimes. Um, but my family decided that the safest thing for me to do was to enter the the system. Um, or at least that's what they told me. Um, I don't know, but there just wasn't any other stable place for me to go. Um, yeah, but I remember my, my first placement was a group home. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't all that bad. Like I'm not, it wasn't bad, but it was just a different environment. And I was, I was a sensitive kid. (laughs) I mean, I'm still sensitive. I'm a cancer. Um, Oh yeah. Typical cancer. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I was sensitive and, but I was good and I, I never liked getting in trouble, but I remember, um, this group home had this like point system where you like earned points for good behavior and lost points for bad behavior. And then you can earn certain privileges or do certain things depending on how many points you had. And I don't know, it just seemed like they were like raiding kids <laughs> because I know that like I wasn't I wasn't bad, but like I was sad. I was going through it. <laughs> and so there were days where like I wouldn't want to get out of bed or like I wouldn't finish my dinner and then I would lose the points. <laughs> I was so devastated when I lose the points. And and I remember that is so not understanding of a kid, <laughs> right? at all. I don't know. And, but I do remember there was this one time where I was listening to this CD on my Walkman. (laughs) Um, and it was some, uh, some CD that 
either my older cousins or my sister had burned for me and it, and it was like pretty explicit. I probably shouldn't have been listening to it, but I got in so much trouble for that. And I was like telling the other kids to listen to it. Um, but I got in so much trouble and I lost like all my points and I was devastated. What were you listening to that was so explicit? I mean, yeah, it was like a lot of Tupac and I remember the song um, Slow Motion was on there. <laughs> Oh, what a banger. Right? (laughs) I'm sorry, I thought it was going to be like mystical or something at least. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, it was sea murder. I mean, maybe. maybe. (laughs) Boosie. I know. He's he's speaking to the kids. She she did call out that Walkman, though. I remember the Walkman. I know my Walkman was my that <laughs> was my favorite thing in foster care because it's like it's small, you know, you can carry it around and yes. collect CDs as you go. I was yeah. I had sticky fingers oh, as a kid. Yeah. I was always stealing CDs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. just love Walt, that Maria because Walt, I do Walt feel like music is such a powerful. <laughs> connector to make you feel like you're not alone when you are going through something really hard yeah and like that's why I'm always asking what's your ride out <laughs> song because them ride out songs be the song like they be different ride out song that. is not the same as what I listen to every day this my yeah. I'm about to ride out song okay. I feel like I have a ride out playlist I need to find yeah, like, and my I know specific we played God's ride out plan song when no, Marie but- told the Foster Shung team her oh, life yeah. story <laughs> that was a song that we wrote out to after well it's true God's plan no, my song and people used to make fun of me about this but my teammates but I don't care because I claim it to this day but before like a poetry competition we all had our separate things we did I always played Katy Perry by Firework, Fireworks Fireworks <laughs> I love it slam own it before every <laughs> performance before every performance I'm like I got this I'm, I'm just surprised <laughs> bad booing in the wind but I'm fit to do this I'm about to be in the <laughs> you know that was my song that was my before I perform song yeah Katy Perry fireworks on blast. It had to be be fireworks on blast before you could ask my teammates before every um, stage performance in a competition. I had to hear it. And you would thought I was listening to something else because my face would just be stone cold. Just pull my earphone on. It's Katy Perry, (laughs) dog. What are you doing? Yeah. Yo. Yeah. And it's funny because when you do look back on those moments, it's always someone or something that stands out, maybe both. And for you, it sounds like that someone was your sister. And looking back, she really was an important person to you. And that something, maybe it can be a bear or a pen and paper. And for you, it really does sound like it was your Walkman that helped you get through all of those hard times. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but I guess looking back, I'm, I can appreciate it more. I like your looking back look. Y'all can't see, but Marie just had a big smile <laughs> on her face. You could tell she was like reminiscing on good moments, chilling with this yeah, Walkman. Yeah, the Walkman days were nice. Yeah, with like trade special. CDs around. I loved it. Yeah, no, and you just have to laugh because I'm sure that some of our listeners are out there saying, what? When we're sitting here reminiscing about our times in foster care, like, oh yeah, remember those group home days? And when I just had my Walkman and was losing points for showing people good music. And our listeners are probably thinking, wow, I grew I know, up so right? differently. Staff was or maybe they can relate to us. 
But it's so dope because these are the moments that shaped us, you know, like in these, this is a part of those stigmas that we're talking about breaking. People think that our experiences are just all bad, but there are also some moments that are special and that make us smile and that make us realize, well, wow, that's why I do the things that I do now, like slamming her poetry, you know, like when was that seed planted when you were in foster care, right? Same thing for you, Marie. Like there are a lot of seeds that are planted in our life that help to mold us and shape us. And we just have to turn those moments that we perceive as weakness into strengths. Yeah, well, I don't. They make you better. I don't think that life is bad. And I spent a lot of my life in foster care. And so, yeah, there were a lot of traumatic moments or where I felt scared or bad things were happening to me. But I don't know. You you live it and you you move on and you learn from it. And like I've even like I wouldn't change anything because then I would be different and I don't want to be different. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. There it is. There yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is when we talk about these moments, there really is gratitude in us because just as you said, Candy, and just what you said, Maraid, you wouldn't change anything about it because it made you who you are today. And that is really what carries us in life. It's looking for those moments of light, even when it seems like darkness is surrounding us, because when you look hard enough, there always is some beam of light. Exactly. No, I was just gonna say. Now we gotta get the little, the little babies to know <laughs> to know that <laughs> the ones still there. Look, y'all, y'all got it. Y'all got it. Come on, it's not that far. Right. Come on, y'all got it. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> so. Married, what was the pivot point for you and going from being ashamed about your story and experience in foster care to really stepping into this platform of empowerment and hoping to help other kids who are going through the same thing not feel what you felt? I feel like I felt so ashamed about being in foster care because I was so focused on all the things that I didn't have and not necessarily in a materialistic sense. I mean, although sometimes, but it was more like I wanted that perfect family. I wanted a father. Um, I didn't have a father until I was adopted as a teenager. Um, But I wanted that strong like mother daughter bond that I saw like all my friends have. Um, And I was jealous and just like focused on what I didn't have. Um, And then like that just wasn't good for me. So I feel like if I could go back and tell my younger self anything, it would be to stop focusing on what I was lacking and turn that negative energy into gratitude. And just because I was blessed throughout my entire life, even in foster care and not in foster care, like I had so many blessings that I ignored or just took them for granted because Mm. I didn't have what my friends had at school. But that's just like what they were displaying too. Like I didn't know their stories, like just because they weren't in foster care, like they could have had something going on too. So I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, once I, I kind of took control of myself and I was like, I'm blessed. And like things are, no matter how hard it is, like it works out. And like, I'm still like, I always get through it. So like, I just need to be grateful. Like, why, what's the, why do I have this negative attitude for? Like, I'm not even like sad about my childhood anymore. You know, I did spend like high school and stuff, like not knowing what was going on and like hormones, all these emotions, like I was sad. And I was definitely like, I would paint myself as a victim sometimes. And 
I don't know. I just felt like there, there's nothing productive out of that. You can't grow from that. Um, I mean, you can just learn and change and it makes a, a big difference. Okay, I listen, think. I don't know about y'all, but that was powerful. I think you said so much right now. And I feel like if any time is a time, I think right now is the best time to ask you, how do you define being foster strong? It was, you, you did, you did. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like foster, being foster strong means so much to me because first of all, I, it takes, I take that thing that I was always so ashamed of. It was my, my flaw, my weakness, my, no matter what, I was always the foster kid. So it didn't matter what I accomplished. All my accomplishments were like, oh, you did that oh, as a foster kid too. Oh, like it always had that label on it. And so I was, I wanted to get away from it so much. And, but, but now it's like, that's what made me who I am and I'm owning it. And I'm just like, I feel like anybody, like if like just owning what you went through and I was a kid. So what is there to be ashamed of? Like, I didn't even have control over that. I feel like you could be like a shithead all through your childhood. And then if you can learn from that and take those experiences and grow, like what else do you want to do? And so I just feel like foster strong, being foster strong is important to me because no matter what, like as a kid going through trauma, moving around, dealing with social workers, going to court all the time, you're strong. You're strong no matter what. And you can handle anything that life throws at you. And so I feel like I feel like I call on my foster strong like all the time. Like if I made it through something as an eight-year-old kid, like I can go to the DMV or I can handle anything that like anything that I get stressed out about or yeah, like I can find a job. I can, I don't know, I can accomplish literally whatever I want to do if I could do it as an eight-year-old, if I can make it through as an eight. So I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like that's what foster strong is to me. Yeah, you should be very proud of yourself. And I know that we're very proud of you. And, you know, as I heard you talking about, if I could do this at eight, I can do anything. I laugh because I know people who are basically 30 and still have their parents Come make on. their doctor's Come appointments on. for them. Call them out. Call out some folks. <laughs> I know. Those are, <laughs> I know. There's, uh, there's a lot of them out there. And I feel like that's something that, uh, it's bad, but like, I mean, it's not bad. That's what I'm always joking about. And so I'm excited for, I'm honestly excited for all of the kids that are currently in foster care right now and to grow up and to be, you know, in their, in their twenties and realize that they can do everything that their friends can't. Everything. It's like a, re a reversal. Cause like as a kid, I felt like I couldn't do so many things because I was in foster care. And now as an adult, it's like, I can handle everything that my friends still have their parents doing for them. So I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but do you guys have moments where you hear your friends complaining about things and you you looking at them like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, are you for real right now? <laughs> like, you really are sitting up here complaining about da-da-da-da-da. Like, if you don't go out there and handle that, like, I just feel like we're so independent. And that came from being in foster care. Yeah, I think it's that being in, in foster care and not even just being in foster care, but just also what my mom, you know, always taught us is just it gave me a, a, a new value for love or a new a new way to a, a different, you know, I don't know if value is the word, but like love means more. 
you know, because, you know, it's not even about, you know, like the, the, the parents or who you're staying with. It's just about having love. It's like you had love and a lot of kids who are in care, they don't have love. They don't know what love is. They've been given something and been told it's love and it's not. So now they have to go through finding out what love really is because the love they said they thought it's not that, but you you have real love. And so for me, foster care was one of those things. Like, that's why now I tell people I love love because it gave you a new outlook on what love is. Because when you don't have love, when you get it, when you regain it or when you don't know what real love is and you figure it out, hmm. you cherish it a what? little more than people who always had love you know, I, or always I had like the real thing. When you've never had love. the real thing, like, you cherish it a little more when you get it. You know? Yes, I need and one too. And you milk it sometimes too. It's like, hey, I, I haven't got this. I'm fit to milk this in, you know what I mean? And in different ways. So, yeah. That's why the foster system, the, fo- the foster care system to me is just a broken system because it doesn't really have much love. I feel like they put so much energy into like always moving me around and I never got what I felt like I needed as a kid because the only thing I needed was my mom or love from my mom because that's the only love I I really knew. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know, I feel like everybody like always framed it as like your mom picked drugs over you and I carried around so much resentment towards her and like this shame about myself like always thinking that there was something wrong with me or that I wasn't good enough and like that's just so fucked up or it's like it's not true like I don't know because like the amount of love my mom showed me and still shows me today is is infinite like she loves me so much (laughs) and um I don't know no matter how many years we spent apart like she's my mom And I don't know. She just knows me better than anybody else. Like she's my number one supporter always. Like she's not a bad mother, but she just happens to suffer from addiction. And addiction is is a real disease of the brain. Like, I don't know, like would they would they paint her to be such a villain if she couldn't take care of me because she had cancer or I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm always like sympathetic towards addicts just because I have so many loved ones that are addicts. Um, And it just like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me because like, I know that it's, isn't it like DCFS, child and family services, right? And I just wish that they helped my mom. Like she didn't want to be an addict. Nobody wants to be an addict. Come on. It's just like you turn to drugs when... Mm -hmm. I don't know, you have chemicals missing from your brain and you have no support, nowhere else to turn to. Like, I'm, I don't know, I'm not making excuses for, for her making me go, live in the system, but it's just, I wish they helped my mom. I feel like that is the most common thing that kids say who have gone through foster care, who have aged out. And that is a really sad part of foster care that when we take a kid away from their parents, we so quickly just kind of throw away the parent and they become almost like garbage. And instead of saying, how can we help this parent and build them back up and bring this family back together and strengthen that family, we really just leave the parents in the dust. And it's a shame because I think one of the biggest problems, not only in the child welfare system, but in Mm -hmm. our 
society and yeah. our world is that we really don't take into consideration the way that trauma impacts people and especially generational trauma. The way that generational trauma can get passed down is detrimental. And it's a no brainer that if we don't help people to process and to deal with that trauma, then they all turn to something to help them deal with the pain, whether it's drugs or alcohol or something else that does not serve them well or their children well. But, you know, in the end, like after hearing from all sorts of youth who have experienced foster care, alumni of the system, and listening to their testimonies, a lot of time, a lot of the time, the system did more damage to them than maybe if they would have just been kept with their birth yeah, families. I agree. I think that's so, so relatable. I think all of us on here right now can literally probably say that the most love they probably got was from their biological mom. You know, um, I know my mom and my dad, they fought hard, but they just couldn't get it together, you know, but the most love that I got was from my mother. You know, even though I stopped hearing it when I was 13, I, I still go back to that moment when I think about the love I want to give to other people. I just it, it resonates to the love my mother gave me. No, I 100 percent agree. And like um, what you said, Marie, because one of the, the questions I always used to ask when I was younger and. And I said during a, a podcast was what, why did my mom, why did we deserve to get taken instead of my mom being helped? Because I would see kids around me who their parents were helped, but they seemed like they was worse off than what we were. And it was always that, why were we completely taken and that family was helped? Mm -hmm. Why did their mom deserve help over my mom? You know, what about me and my mom or my, you know, made or me and my siblings made us not worthy of whatever resource you just gave to this person because I felt the same way. I was like, my mom, people used to tell me um, people chose, uh, my mom chose a man over us. And I was like, no, I know my mama. My mama didn't do that. I know what my, my mother didn't do that because even when we were with her, she tried to run. It's just, she wasn't given those resources and that help that she needed. And you always wonder what if she was given that, what would have been, you know, that difference. And then you also say, I am me who I am today. And then you hate thinking about that too because you also want to be proud and happy of the, the, you know, the wonderful and beautiful person that you um, have come to be now, Marie, yeah. too. Thank but you I for just want to say, I definitely yeah. feel Yeah, I just that. feel like, I just, I feel like the system kind of brainwashed me into, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just like what I said, that into hating my mom and it was just like, okay, you're going to go to these families, you're going to get adopted and... And if you want to, when you're an adult, maybe your mom will have her act together by then. But they always like, we're like, oh, but probably not. Like, this is your life now. And it's like, I can't just forget like everything. You can't forget like the bond that you have with your mom. And I feel like there's nothing else like that bond. I don't know. I don't know. But I also have like my adoptive mom that I love so much. And you can't, you can, so you can definitely create that bond with other people, I think, um, because I'm, I'm so close to my adoptive mom too, but it's just like, I don't like how the system will just, yeah, like throw away a person because they're not behaving the way that you want them to. And you just expect them to do everything that it's not always, everyone's not always able to do everything perfectly and they need help sometimes. And so you don't need to throw away a family because someone needs help. 
100%. And everyone deserves love. And, you know, it is pretty remarkable to think of some of the experiences that we all had as kids and the way that the world has treated us and really given us every reason to maybe hate people and hate the world. But still, here we are able to extend love and be light despite it all. Yes, we have such big hearts. We're so loyal. And a lot of that is a result of how we grew up. You know, we take loyalty and love to a whole nother level. Yeah. And I just love you guys. And I just I know I love you guys. (laughs) We should do more girls podcasts. Um. (laughs) But we need Lena to do all the editing still. Yeah, Lena, you ain't here that. Go ahead, Marie. You're, you're going to say something. Hmm. Well, I think I, I wanted to say also that you were talking about how important love is. And I was I always thought that I could only get that feeling from my mom. Um, but like I just really started my relationship with my mom again. And I don't know, I feel like um just by being alone and, and never having any consistency or roots, I found so much stability in just trusting and loving myself. And I feel like that's, you have to, like, I know it's cheesy and you say it all the time, like you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. But it's true because like I had to, I had to love myself. So, and I had to know that there wasn't anything wrong with me. Like my mom didn't abandon me, like just shit happens. And once I can love myself, then I can realize, oh, my mom actually did love me. My adoptive mom can love me too. I can have all these families of love and it doesn't need to like, I don't know. I feel like I was always like getting things confused or all these misconceptions on what love is because I didn't love myself. Um, And now I love myself and I love everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. So word to the people, love yourselves. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, always. always Love yourself, with yourself and trust yourself and just know that you can always get through. No matter what you're going through, it's not going to kill you. It's only going to make you stronger. I know that sounds silly, too. I'm saying all these like silly things, but it's true. And I don't know. Try it. And then let me know if it's cheesy. And you can head to Pinterest to hear more <laughs> quotes from Marie. Foster strong. <laughs> and be patient with yourself, too. There's another one. <laughs> yes, so good. And I think we should end on that mic drop and just, you know, excited to be back with everyone next week. Maraid, we all adore you over here at Foster Strong. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And if people want to learn more about Maraid, you can head to our website at urfosterstrong.org. Check out her videos, read her bio, follow her on social media. And we can't wait to see you back next time. Thanks for tuning in. All right. See y'all later. Thank you, Marie. Thanks, guys. Thanks.